In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Ascinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. You can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you listeners from all over the world, um, but we have guests from all over the world. And today we have a guest from the United States calling in from Florida. And our listeners are really from Asia, from the U.S., from South America. So welcome to everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations, to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about that because we're on every major podcast platform from Apple to Spotify to Stitcher. We're all over the net. I also invite you to contact me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com and let me know what you want to hear on this series. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for your business or yourself. Now on to today's episode. Scaling artificial intelligence across industries and in enterprises and small and medium businesses can create a good competitive advantage, but it's not enough to invest in cutting edge technologies and algorithms. You need to rewire your entire organization from decision making to data analysis to operations. If you want to extract value from AI, you need to understand it and how best to use it. Our guest today is an expert in extracting value from data and AI. Our guest today is Christian Ward, and he is Executive Vice President and Chief Data Officer at Yext. Yext is on a mission to help organizations answer every question about their business. Yext's answers platform collects and organizes content from across the enterprise to deliver relevant, actionable information wherever people ask questions. Founded in 2006, Yex has over 1,200 employees and 12 global offices. Christian is focused on the expanding applications of knowledge graphs and data asset optimization. His focus is to help Yex clients identify value and structure their knowledge graphs to maximize their data value. Christian is also the co-author of Amazon Top Release, Data Leverage, unlocking the surprising growth potential of data partnerships. And he has also developed and executed hundreds of data partnerships around the world, from small and entrepreneurial firms to the world's largest data companies. So Christian, welcome back. Thank you, Kimberly. Great to be back. You know, it was funny. You were on our show. I was re- looking at my, uh, I think it was March 2020, just about when the pandemic started. And I remember in September 2021, Harvard Business Review had an article, AI adoption skyrocketed over the last 18 months. And we're, you know, now we're one year later. I mean, what happened with, you know, AI when the pandemic hit? What did they, what was Harvard talking about? How did it skyrocket? Um, well, Look, I, I think the pandemic, and hopefully for many of the listeners, you know, we're we're either in stages of coming out of this, or many are um, mostly back to work at this point, or back in the environment. Um, really, what happened is it completely changed the way the workforce and the consumer and individuals and educators and children, how everyone interacted with each other. 
And what ha what very clearly happened in terms of what do we do, you had a pressure, a, really a global pressure um, that everyone felt at the same time to engage, uh, but still be efficient. And realistically, that is probably a pressure cooker that is designed perfectly uh, around using AI uh, and machine learning and new technologies to assist in that sort of crisis. Um, so not only did you see AI play a role in the way we develop vaccines and the ways that we thought about how to manage, it even played a role in things like education across the world where people went virtual where you had systems and people analyzing engagement levels, understanding if children were you know, able to learn. Um, we saw in the United States a big drop off in a lot of the learning rates um, and, and all of that's being analyzed, right? But, but you also had individuals, I, I mean, to, to sort of put kind of a, a funny spin on it, I, I was in New York City maybe two weeks ago and I realized I've always gone to the same Starbucks coffee uh, not far from my office. And um, when I went in there, when before the pandemic, it used to be that the counter that would take orders from humans walking into the store was two thirds of the counter. And then there was one third or even I'd say one fifth for people that use the app for pickup. It's now flipped. Now mm -hmm. people use the technology in their hand um, to identify a store, to pick out what they want. But people have changed. So it's not just that the technology got more and more adoption um, and we call it digital transformation, but it really was about how do we maintain efficiency when we can't actually operate the way we have in the past? And I think that shared trauma of the pandemic really pushed people and pushed the boundaries of what we could do with these technologies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we and I think that's what Harvard put in their, their article in uh, September 2020. Um, but another question, question, Christian, you know, he, what you said is we're all kind of back to work now. OK, so we're almost in this this hybrid and we had this we had this big bang. And now um, what's happening now? I mean, have we kept up, you know, the velocity of, of this change or have we now kind of gone back to kind of our normal pace uh, because we're a year later and um, we are pretty much almost back to normal? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a good thought it's good thought process, right? Because what we'll, what you're doing is is you're lining up sort of temporally. Um, ha has the acceleration continued? Is it is it leveling off? Has it dropped? And, and honestly, what I would say is I think it's actually accelerating. I think it's uh -huh. maybe not as obvious to people, um, but there are so many new technologies that are either based completely on AI or the gathering of content in ways that we haven't before. Uh, for example, you've been doing this podcast for a long time and it's recorded and it's, it's transmitted and it's shared, but I've seen a lot more recording of like business meetings uh, using technologies like gong.io, uh, which is something that we use, which I think is fascinating, where it uses AI to analyze every business meeting to understand who's talking, how much are they talking, how engaged is an individual, and it uses AI to write the notes. So you don't even have to take notes anymore. So we yeah. could literally take this podcast and feed it to an AI, and the AI would send uh, the, you know, sort of summation notes to all the listeners instantaneously. That's amazing. And mm -hmm. so things like that, um, we've seen uh, uh, the acceleration of people using AI to write content. Um, I don't know if you've played around with Dolly, the image generation or Imogen, the one from Google, but this stuff is going faster and faster. And it, it, it actually reminds me of um, something um, from Dr. Peter Diamandis's book, The Future is Faster Than You Think. He explains this really interesting concept, which is in 1923, Black & Decker made the first electric screwdriver. Right. So they took electricity, which was the newest thing we had in terms of um, innovation, and they combined it with a screwdriver to make a power screwdriver. And, and what's fascinating about that is almost for 50 years, every product, good or service that you engaged with as a consumer was just taking electricity and mashing it against this other thing. <laughs> right. So whatever so, it was, like a toothbrush, right? Electric mm -hmm. toothbrush. Well, that's what you're seeing with AI right now. We are basically taking every facet of our lives and somebody's going to smash AI against it and see what innovation can happen. And I think that's happening at a much faster pace than even pre-pandemic levels. Wow. And uh, yeah, that's a really good analogy because I never thought about that. But um, so you're seeing this acceleration and, and um, you know, is there any 
industries or segments. I mean, I always think of healthcare immediately, but but you're you're one on meetings with Gong. That's that's you know, bring it into the workplace. Is there any place that might be accelerating a little bit more than, um, and places that may be a little bit behind? Yeah. So obviously, most industries tend to move um, in, in somewhat of tandem to each other, but not necessarily. Um, at the same pace. And what you're seeing is, is if, I, if I was going to think about where are you seeing AI, um, I would I would advise all the listeners, if you don't have TikTok, go get TikTok and watch 10,000 videos created every five minutes that are putting, uh, you know, someone's face on Tom Cruise's body in Mission Impossible, <laughs> right? That That is all AI. Um, mm-hmm. the, the motion, the reconstruction of the face, the reconstruction of the, the mouth, the movements, the smile, all of that is done with AI at scale. And so you have things like deep fake technology, which is now essentially baked into TikTok um, and has been for a long time, but also into Snapchat and all the others. So you have younger generations leveraging this, this technology instantaneously. But then you have someone like Apple coming out with in their next release, I think it's in beta now of iOS, it will automatically input grammar into your language when you use talk to type. So when you actually, when you and I are having this conversation, if we had iOS running, it would properly put in the commas, the periods, the 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 pauses, the hyphens, you know, the stuff that's really actually hard to type on a mobile keyboard. Um, and it's, it's pretty fascinating. Again, that's using AI. Um, you have biometric data. So many people at this point now have their biometric data off of their iWatch or off of their Garmin, mm-hmm. and they're using that to get reports from data sets where people are amalgamating that data, running it through AI to optimize or say, here's things you can think about, or maybe you should see a doctor about this. Um, how about virtual assistants or chatbots? What website do you go to today that doesn't have some form of an AI chatbot? Now, don't get me wrong. I think most of them are still pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> but 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 realistically, it's it's growing at such a fast pace. I think what it is, is it's not really limited to one industry. It's almost like the industries are recognizing that this is almost expected of them. And and as consumer expectations change, the role of the chief experience officer, the CXO, which is behind chief data officer, I think it's the fastest growing um, uh, C-suite title that I've seen in the last five years, that whole area is going to be, regardless of industry, focused on how do I take AI and smash it against the products, goods, and services that we provide so that I can be more efficient. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's, that's a good point. And chief experience officer, that um, I've seen that popping up quite a bit. But I want to, you know, we see it smashing against things, and I think about enterprises, and I think about, you know, um, you know, meeting rooms or education, but then then we have the small business. So, um, Christian, we're going to take a break, and I'd like to, when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk about how does that small business on the corner, you know, how did they take advantage of this acceleration in AI, and can they, okay? Um, and with that, we're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we'll talk about that. And our guest today is Christian Ward, and he is the Executive Vice President and Chief Data Officer at Yext. And Yext is on a mission to help organizations answer every question about their business. Yext's answers platform collects and organizes content from across the enterprise to deliver relevant, actionable information wherever people ask questions. Founded in 2006, EX has over 1,200 employees and 12 global offices. And Christian is focused on expanding the applications and knowledge graphs and data asset optimization. His focus is to help EX clients identify value structure and their knowledge graphs to maximize their data value. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Yext, please go to www.yext.com. And Yext is also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you'd like to connect with Christian, he is on LinkedIn under Christian J. Ward. So please reach out to him. And he's also on Twitter at uh, under the handle at Ward Christian J. So please reach out. This broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, and do market research and legislative white papers. They also have a learning series every Thursday at 1700 C 
Central European time, and they hold conferences. And their next conference is October 16th to 18th in Florence, Italy. So please go to www.cinda.org for more information. And we'll, with that, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, and today we are talking with Christian J. Ward, and he is the Executive Vice President and Chief Data Officer at Yext. And Yext is on a mission to help organizations answer every question about their businesses on Yext's answers platform. And Christian is also the co-author of uh, Data Leverage, Unlocking the Surprising Growth Potential of Data Partnerships. And he has also developed and executed hundreds of data partnerships around the world, from small entrepreneurial firms to the world's largest data companies. So, Christian, um, before we just kind of were talking about this this acceleration of AI before the break, um, and when I do it, I think of kind of bigger businesses, uh, you know, maybe educational platforms, healthcare. What about the small business? How can AI help the small business? Yeah, it's a it's a great question because I, I think what you normally see with most technologies is there's an adoption level and sort of a rigorous testing campaign by large enterprises. And then what works fundamentally and what works well uh, ultimately ends up getting more commoditized and efficient and more price um, sort of available to small businesses. And so what you'll see is um, many of these technologies are already working in a way towards small businesses. Um, but a lot of them are still sort of nascent, like they're they're on their way because they're still being worked out. What I would say is 
Um, most of the area that, that you see improvement in uh, AI, artificial intelligence applications, is really around search for small businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason why I say that, <laughs> search has always been probably one of the most important vehicles for local businesses to not only build their business, uh, but to engage with their customers. Like, I remember, Kimberly, as a kid, you know, we'd get in the car. Uh, I have four brothers and sisters and my parents would get us in the car and we would, we would drive into town and we'd be like our heads would be up. And we'd be looking for a sign for the new pizza place we heard that it opened. Like we physically have our heads up. Yeah. Nobody does that anymore, right? Nobody yeah. drives around with their heads up. Unfortunately, most people drive with their head down because they're looking at their phone, right? So the digital presence of the business to being found in search is the most important. It, people will engage with your digital self as a small business way before they engage with your physical form in an actual location or an actual business entity or person. And so when we think about that, AI is at the center of optimizing that strategy. It's basically the way that um, Google and other platforms look at all the data that's available about your business and determine whether or not they want to um, sort of illuminate you as a potential answer to a problem. And so when we think about AI in general, I think that search is one of the biggest areas. The next sort of big area is how people leverage that search. And so if I'm a small business owner or business in general, I want everyone to sort of take a step back from the term AI, artificial intelligence. The whole purpose of artificial intelligence is to help humans find answers. <laughs> I know that sounds a little mm -hmm. strange, but we don't feed biometric and DNA samples to AI to ask it to make tacos. We feed it to AI to ask it to find answers to the questions we have about our DNA sequencing. Almost everything we use it for is to streamline finding the correct information. And I can't think of a better application than for small businesses, which is many small businesses have certain products, goods, services. And when the customer has questions about that, the more you can leverage an AI to answer their question, the more likely that you're going to get a well-engaged, informed consumer, which is always the best way to have a customer. Mm -hmm. So it seems that most consumers, as you said, they're, they're engaging with, with small businesses digitally before they even – uh, you know, walk in. So what are what are the technologies that are, are first helping us find those businesses? And then once we find those businesses to really get the answers we want from those businesses? Um, I know Yext has some technologies. And what other technologies are advancing this process to make it easier for me? Yeah, it's so I'll probably pin it to two related technologies. Um, one is um, the knowledge graph or the concept of a knowledge graph. Um, knowledge graphs are fundamentally always three things. It's, it's Think of it as a database store, but most people, when you think about a database, they think about it like an Excel table, right, where each record of your customer or your product is a row and each column is sort of the details. A, a graph is actually three dimensions. And so a graph is the entities, which are things like your products, your services, your locations, um, your doctors, your lawyers. It could be any sort of object. And then the, the attributes, which are inside the entities. So if the entities are sort of the round uh, uh, spheres in a three-dimensional space, the attributes would be inside the spheres. That's where the doctor went to school, and it's where, and it's how much a product costs. And then between all the entities, the spheres are the relationships. And the relationships are sort of the, the key drivers of language understanding. In fact, knowledge graphs, when they launched, really accelerated us to where we are today, where we can natural natural language understanding, where I can basically ask a graph a question and it can understand the relationships, no matter how I ask the question, that this doctor is available at this clinic to perform this service with this insurance at this time. All of those things are relationships and that's how natural language processing has sort of accelerated. So I'd start with knowledge graphs is probably the key technology that kicked it off. And then um, natural language understanding, which includes natural language generation, is sort of the culmination of that, which is we're getting to the point where if I'm a small business, I would be able to reach out to a small business's website. And instead of having to learn 900 drop-down menus, of which I have no idea why they're structured the way they are, I, as the consumer, can just start to ask a question. Uh, in fact, I, I think it's kind of interesting. You know, um, I'm not an SEO. I, I, I know a lot of people leverage our platform for some of the benefits of SEO. 
But I've always kind of bothered, it's bothered me that it's search engine optimization. I think that term needs to be revised because search engines, when we talk about optimizing that, we're just saying so that you show up in Google or you show up on a, right. on a search engine. The problem with that is it completely devalues the customer journey experience, which is the customer is on Google, not because they think you're going to be great at SEO and they'll find you. They're on Google because it's a great customer experience. It lets them ask the questions and go wherever they want to go. And we can learn from that. I, I really think the term should be search experience optimization. That way we can keep it as SEO and everybody with the conferences don't have to change the conference name. But the, the, <laughs> but the, the reality is, why do we assume that if 93% of the world starts in Google to find your small business, that when they get to your small business website, they would ever want to learn your drop-down menus. They don't. They want to ask another question. The whole point of this is how do you keep people in that positive mindset that they begin those searches with? And I think that's where SMBs or, or local businesses, as we would call them, really should be focused, which is how can you almost mimic that? And the technologies that make that possible are knowledge graphs and natural language understanding. And I mean, this. I want to go into knowledge graphs and data a little bit later. But you know, this is this is. I'm an SMB. Okay, uh, I'm on the corner. I have a toy store. Okay, local toy yep. store. Um, this is this is a lot of stuff for me. Okay, you know, um, you know. I mean, sure. I want you to find me on Google, um, but then you know, you get to my store and you're right. I have maybe, you know, the 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 dolls department, the trucks department, the games department. I mean, how do you communicate this to small businesses so that, that it makes it simple and they understand what they have to do? Yeah, it's it's a good point. Uh, let me, let, let, taking a step back, and a toy store is a wonderful construct. So most people don't land on your toy store's website because they went to Google and typed in the word toys. That That's, that's a decade ago. That's when people mm. would fight over the keyword toys. And, and quite frankly, that's not how anyone searches anymore. Google and others and our system in particular can show people ask much more detailed questions. So for example, Kimberly, you know, my wife is a pediatric occupational therapist. When she thinks toys it is a completely different set of toys <laughs> than when my, my eight-year-old son thinks toys, right? Yeah. Because these are toys designed for children with special needs or certain circumstances to help them engage. And, and that type of toy is not typically sold in, in the same place. So her query is literally going to be something like occupational therapy, pediatric toys for um, a hand manipulation exercise. And when she types that in, she's going to be taken to a web page that answers that question by one of the toy stores that has it. So if you're a toy store on the corner that has that type of toy and also let's say, you know, advanced, you know, uh, logic game toys, what's gonna happen is people aren't just typing in toys. In fact, the average query length on Google, as well as in Yext, is, is it's almost skyrocketing, it's crazy. We see queries at seven, eight, nine, ten 10 words. And it's partially because people have learned that no one makes a decision on the word toys. Mm -hmm. They make a decision on a much more detailed set of questions. And so uh, the best way I could describe it to a business owner, let's say that toy owner, uh, you on the corner and with the shop, is I want you to think uh, if you could capture and record Every question that is asked from a human when they're standing across the counter and they walk in and they say, do you have a hand manipulation toy for pediatric occupational therapists? And you answered it. Every one of those interactions is what you need to be building for. It's not to just show up for the word toy. That's just not gonna work. What you really wanna do is understand what are the questions people are asking and how can you most help them by providing truthful, accurate, authoritative information. And, and quite frankly, that is the structure. That is what we do at Yex. That's that's my focus every day. A lot of people think they're like, I want to rank for this term. And I got to mm -hmm. tell you, that's that's a decade to two decades ago. Like my older kids speak keyword, but my eight-year-old does not. He mm -hmm. expects to be able to ask a question like, do you have the uh, uh, Batman Lego set where there's uh, the dog in the Lego set? Now that's, a, that's like a nine-word query. Yeah. And the reality is, is, businesses, local businesses have to start thinking of it that way, which is they need either pages that have those answers on it or so that Google can crawl it, or they need to have a search experience. Because if you think of most toy stores, they're kind of, they're kind of this way. 
most toy stores, a big toy store or let's see, I mean, say a corner might have, no joke, 5,000 to 10,000 product mm. SKUs. Yeah. And you need to think about, well, that's not what people do. They don't walk in with the SKU number. They walk in with questions. And then I help them find the right toy. That's the process you have to focus on. And actually, Christian, that makes a lot of sense. Because if I'm that toy owner, I've been standing there greeting people, you know, for 20 years or 10 years. Okay. Yes. So I I know what people ask me the most. Okay. Um, and then I, I also know probably what the new fad is. Okay. Then the new Batman set that came out for Christmas, you know what I mean? So, yes. I mean, yes. Um, yes. so, so do you think that we're, we're getting that across to small businesses? Do you think um, that they're, they're starting to realize that and starting to get a little bit more educated about this? Yes, I, I do. And I, the, the reason why I say that is um, I, I looked at a bunch of small business websites for a study uh, recently, and it used to be that a small business website might have five, 10, 15 pages on it, you know, sort of like, here's our main products and here's where we are and here's the contact us page. It was sort of, it was like every restaurant that had the possibilities menu, right? Like these horrible, horrible things that small businesses <laughs> would throw out there. But the, the reality is um, that that is changing. They are actually understanding that the more information they can provide. See, fundamentally, every human is a signal processing engine. What we're doing is we're processing the signals that you provide as a business. Mm -hmm. And so if I ask questions, it's sort of this, this game um, where how I ask questions, you as the business owner can sometimes know better than I do what the next best question should be. And so all of this is a way to say, small businesses have to really concentrate on what makes them thrive is when they build these trusting relationships that every time someone walks in and asks a question, they can guide that person to the right answer. Mm -hmm. and, and that's fundamentally where I think if they focus on that, we can help them or lots of businesses can help them recreate that digitally. So it's not just a billboard on the side of the road anymore. It's actually an interactive experience that guides the customer to the right answer. Yeah. And and uh, as I said, they probably know that already anyways. You know, they know what the customers ask. So great answer. Um, we're going to take a short break, Christian. And for our listeners, we're talking to Christian J. Ward. He's the executive vice president and chief data officer at Yext. And Yext is on a mission to help organizations answer every question about their business, as you just heard. And Yext's answers platform collects and organizes content from across the enterprise to deliver relevant, actionable information where consumers can act on what they're looking for. So you want to reach out to Yext, please go to www.yext.com. And Yext is also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you'd like to reach out to Christian, he is on LinkedIn under Christian J. Ward. And on Twitter, his handle is Ward Christian J. So please reach out to Yext and Christian. And this broadcast is all brought, also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. And they have conferences. And their next conference is October 16th to 18th in Florence, where the YEX team will be there. So you can come to Florence and meet the YEX team. Just go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. 
Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. Tune in each week for the Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to The Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Defeat the Chaos with Corey Harris and Julie Traxler hits on topics every week that affect small business owners across this country. They provide insights that show entrepreneurs how to reduce stress, wear fewer hats, and work shorter hours. Take your business from being owner-dependent and stagnant to growth-ready and process-driven every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and today we are talking with Christian J. Ward, and he is Executive Vice President and Chief Data Officer at Yext. So before the break, Christian, we, you know, we're talking about trying to get uh, SMBs to try to understand how people search. And this really makes, you know, consumers a lot more comfortable because they're getting what they want. And it's really important to the customer journey. And the concept of flow has, you know, become popular over the year. And it really does relate to the customer journey. Now, how does this play out in this whole picture here and with search? Yeah, it's it, it's 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 kind of fascinating. Um, uh, and I've, I've I've studied some about flow. Um, so, if you if you're familiar with books like Deep Work and some of these um, New York Times bestsellers, those are in the last several years. Uh, but the concept of flow actually came from Dr. Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi in 1975. Um, and I spent a lot of time explaining this to our partners and our clients because flow has been around a long time, like getting in the flow, like learning a new skill or athletes in the flow. Um, and, and what he proposed in 75 still holds true today. Uh, and I think there's enormous correlation to how consumers engage with local businesses or really any business, which is in order for people to get into flow, um, which is necessary for them to want to trust, engage, purchase, schedule an appointment. What you have to have is three things. The, the person has to feel like they're in control is number one. They have to have perceived control of the process. This is why when people go to Google, um, they feel like they're in control. There's nothing on Google's homepage that has changed in decades. And it's partially because it lets the person be in perceived control. You determine where it goes. Um, the second thing you need is concentration. So we need to be able to concentrate on what we've now asked for control of. And, and again, this is really what clean design and customer experience is about, is showing people exactly what they asked about so that you can, they can sort of concentrate on it. Um, but the last one, which is really kind of fascinating, that is necessary for flow, is cognitive enjoyment. And so I want you to think of every digital experience where you're reading a news article and 15 pop-ups with ads pop up and they ask you to sign up for a newsletter. That is not cognitive enjoyment. That breaks your concentration and you definitely don't feel like you're in control. I offer to you, that's why those websites are failing. You can't make it about you. It has to be about the customer. And honestly, I think small businesses are phenomenal at understanding flow because they know if they don't and they don't engage a customer in that on their in their sort of proper state of mind, 
it's really hard to stay in business as a small business. Um, and so what, what we look at is these types of processes you say, how do you create flow for someone in, let's keep with the toy store analogy, with someone in your toy store? And it's sort of, well, I, I, I ask them first and then I come around the counter and then I, I ask them if they'd like to go look at a toy section that, that answers the first question. We walk over together, I always let them lead. There's all these things that really smart local business people do in person and then it's sort of like they meet a digital agency and all that stuff goes out the window. They're sort of like, wow, we should have a huge banner and a pop-up and this is awesome. It's not awesome. It's terrible. <laughs> it's not It's not flow. And so when we think about AI and the tools that we have here, using the right data um, to let people guide their own tour and answering them truthfully and effectively is, is the whole point. And that's why people say, Google is a phenomenal system of flow. Like you, to give people an example, what I mean by flow, how many of our of, of your listeners have asked a question in Google and they see an answer and then those people also ask boxes pop up and you, oh, click, one, you click one and then it expands two more and then you click yeah. that one, it expands two more. That is actually you in flow. You don't realize it. But what's happening is Google is just spoon feeding you the next likely question because a billion people before you have asked similar questions and they know what you should ask next. And that's that is where we're striving to get to. And and literally it's like bottling up the best people at the front desk of a small business and using that digitally to scale them with AI. And you know what I really liked what you said about this and the example is, you know, the the cognitive enjoyment at the end. Okay. When you you know, and that that relates exactly back to what you said on trying to make sure, you know, you can predict what customers gonna ask because when you find it. Then you're happy. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it, it 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 is amazing. It's sort of. Um, I remember. You know, the internet really used to be this sort of hunting and pecking, looking for things. Um, and at this point, it, it's it's so much more about what you choose to ignore. Yuval Harari has a great great quote, and I'm not going to get it right, but he basically says something like, "In the past, power was meaning was the ability to access information." But today, power means knowing what to ignore. And I think that is such a brilliant demonstration um, of, of the flip that has occurred, which is, you know, I ask here in my own town in, in Florida, you know, dinner near me, and Google brings back 8 billion search results. And that's not an exaggeration. That is actually the number. It's 8 billion. Wow. I, I'm not going to be able to go to 8 billion places for dinner. And it's just, <laughs> it's stupid. It's information overload. And what we really need is not that. I need to ask longer questions to get exactly what I'm looking for. And that's really the hope of AI, right? AI, mm -hmm. like I said, it really exists to help people find answers. And also, you know, coming back to that example, you know, it's about, you know, what kind of data you're getting on who's searching, who's coming to your website, what do they want? You know, um, you know, does this one customer always go to Thai? Okay, or restaurant? Okay, so, yeah. you know, is the data behind this? Are, are small businesses efficiently using it? I mean, we do know enterprises do, and and some industries do, but you know, all this rich search and 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 getting people there and seeing what they're doing and seeing what they're looking for also has a lot a lot of data and. Do small businesses understand how to use that data? Yeah, it's um, it's it's a good question. I actually, I'm kind of excited for small businesses that they don't fall down the utterly ridiculous rabbit hole that many enterprises have, which <laughs> is they 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 get in this mindset of more data equals better decisions, <laughs> and, and and that's actually a fallacy. Yeah. What that leads to is data gluttony where you have so much data, you have no idea what's accurate or not. You can't process it. It's literally like cholesterol in the veins of the decision-making <laughs> machine. And, 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 and small businesses can actually skip that mistake. And, and the way that I say that is, is you don't want all the data. You actually, and, and quite frankly, in most jurisdictions, uh, you may not have access to all the data because yeah. data privacy laws, even here in the States, they have the ADPPA on the floor of Congress to be voted on. It looks, it, it could pass, it's 50-50. It's um, yeah. if, if you have those things pass, then if you're a local business, you have to, I, I once again wanna just offer to everyone, take a step back and don't think digitally. Think about in your own store, if you engage directly or on the phone with humans. How, what does your process look like? What questions do you ask? What questions are you asked most often? When you take those questions and you start to think about it, go and type those questions into Google 
and look at what people also ask boxes pop up and go down the rabbit hole. What I can offer to you is, is it will help you get an understanding of all the other questions they're probably asking. They're just not asking you, they're asking mm -hmm. Google. And so you can actually get an understanding of, it's almost a, a, a sphere of, of, it's really a graph, it's a relationships between questions. And, and the reason why I offer that is, you should be building your digital experience, like a page for every question to help people understand that you're here and you can help answer it. Um, and that's, that is where I think a lot of this goes for small businesses. I, I think if they fall into the trap of, let me store every conversation, every piece of information, um, every product detail, that is helpful, but it's often not as accurate as you'd like it to be. It's much more important for local businesses to identify what are the core, as or I would call lean data, the, the, most, the most powerful energy packed data that is accurate. And that might be just the 52 most commonly asked questions in and around your local business. And, and I offer Kimberly, it's not always about you as a small business. Yeah. It might be about the parking. You right. have to think outside of that, which is when you're a small business, sometimes if people don't think there's parking available, they won't show up. So yeah. maybe you need a page that shows where to park if you're in a city. These are those elements that a lot of times we miss. But quite frankly, if you pay attention to the questions asked over the phone, everybody yes. asks if there's parking, right? Yeah. So there's these elements that you need to keep track of every question because that's the data you should be focusing on. Yeah. It's a really good point, and I really like to go back to kind of the, the the analogy. Just think about it as you walk in the store. If I'm going to a sto toy store, I'm trying to find a toy store, you know, around here by me in Mulheim, Germany. You know, what am I doing? You know, and and actually, I just went through this process the other day because that's why toy store jumped up in my head. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's looking for, but um, Christian, I mean, this is—I I think this is great advice for 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 SMBs, and um, um, we're getting towards the end of the show. So, you know, you—we talked in the beginning about this acceleration, okay, and it's still going fast. I mean, what what some are some of the technologies that you might be most excited about that you think are coming out or stand out as possibilities in the next six months? Because I don't even want to say a year because things go so fast. <laughs> Yeah, I, so I, I think that, that there's probably two or three that I think are the most interesting. Um, at least not, not, it's really for small businesses, but it's really kind of for anyone. I advise everyone to go out uh, onto Twitter or wherever you get your information and, and look up Dolly, uh, Dolly2, D-A-L-L-E, number two. Um, and it's, it's an image creation platform where you can type in a prompt like, um, uh, grizzly bear being interviewed on on uh, Kimberly Lewis's podcast with sunglasses and a leather jacket, and it will generate an, a photorealistic image of that instantaneously. And and the reason why I tell you to look at that is I want you to realize that almost every image and video you are now going to see for the next rest of your life is likely going to be run through AI systems to either improve or change them, and you won't know. And and I think that's important because. If you're a small business and you want to have an amazing Instagram account or an amazing TikTok account, you can actually use AI to generate the images that you probably couldn't even pay the best photographer in the world to come up with, which is, is astounding. And so that's one thing to look at. Another technology, which is similar, is natural language generation. And this is where you go and you feed that your data of your store to the AI and say, help me write a thoughtful blog article on this question I'm always asked in the store about pediatric toys. And so you go in and you go in and you basically, it can generate that for you. Now, I wouldn't just post that. You should always human review and look at these things, mm -hmm. but there's lots of tools out there that are gonna make it easier. In fact, what you're gonna see is a lot of this information is gonna keep sort of feeding back upon itself. Um, and, and probably the, the last major area that I'm, I'm, I'm most focused on, and obviously Yext is very tied into, is just the advancements in search using knowledge graphs. Mm -hmm. I, I think the reality is, is as we start to take a step back, most businesses think that CRM data is their most important data, like who their customers are. And I would argue you wouldn't have CRM data if those customers couldn't find you and didn't know what you were about. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's sort of a chicken and egg problem which is 
You should be asking those customers or listening to the questions they have. And then you need to build out that knowledge graph of here's everything anyone would ever ask me at the counter in my toy store. And I'm going to make it just as easily digitally for them to be responded to. And so I think that's the, the areas of the three technologies that I would focus on the most. Well, really exciting. And, um, you know, we're moving so fast. And I'm definitely going to look up that DALI too myself because I didn't know about that. I want to see what that's like. But, Christian, it's been, it's been great. Thanks. Thank you for the insights today. Um, and for our listeners, we have been talking to Christian J. Ward. He's the executive vice president and chief data officer at Yext. Yext is on a mission to help organizations answer every question about their businesses. Yext answers platform collects and organizes content from across the enterprise to deliver relevant, actionable information wherever people ask questions. They were founded in 2006 and they have over 1,200 employees and 12 global offices. And Christian is also the co-author of Data Leverage, uh, Unlocking the Surprising Growth Potential of Data Partnerships. And he's developed and executed hundreds of data partnerships around the world from small entrepreneurial firms to world's largest data companies. So if you'd like to reach out to Christian, you can find him on LinkedIn under Christian J. Ward and on Twitter under the handle at Ward Christian J. So please reach out to Christian. And if you'd like to learn more about Yex, Yex is under www.yex.com. And that's Y-E-X-T. And they're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook under Yext. So, Christian, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Well, thank you, Kimberly. As always, a pleasure, and I really appreciate the discussion. Yeah, it was really good, um, and we should have another one coming up in a couple months and see how things have advanced again, okay? And Yes, so for our listeners, this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, market research. They have an e-learning platform in cooperation with Boss Capital for Startups. And they also hold conferences. And the next conference is October 16th to 18th in Florence, Italy. And you'll be able to meet Yext and the Yext team in Florence. So please go to www.cinda.org and sign up for the conference. And with that, thank you for listening to us this week. And don't forget, tune in each week at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Until next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.